Is there anything that you just don't love right now? Any situation or what have you in your life that you just don't love? Or that could be better, perhaps? And so oftentimes what's interesting about these circumstances is that they're things that we had nothing to do with. Have you know, like think about the things that suck right now. Or it could be better. Maybe it's not terrible, but anything that could be better. And are any of those things things that you have nothing to do with or can't control or completely outside of anything you can do something about? Well, what's interesting is in this series, what we're going to be talking about is that there are things that we do have and choices that we have that can actually help in even situations where it seems like we're powerless and that there's nothing that we can do. And so, hence the name, Own Your Power. What is the part that you play? Because I think sometimes people abdicate everything to God in a way and not own the things that God has given us. So we're going to be focusing on that. Now, if you want to think about really crummy circumstances, I'm going to read you a record today that will make you feel good that your circumstances aren't this. That's a, doesn't that always make you feel good? Look at people that have it worse. <laughs> Glad that's not me. Well, you're going to think that when you read this record. But that's not really my point, because uh, I, I don't think that that's really how we make things. That's not exactly an ultimate answer, is it? Just looking at other people and going, well, at least I got it better. It doesn't really fix anything or change anything that's going on in our lives. So let's take a look. Uh, we're on the, if you've got the Bible app, it's... Um, you uh, version Bible app, we're on there if you want, and we're kind of high tech, and so you can follow along there. You can you can put notes in, you can put searchlight or own your power, and you'll come up with that. Or, you know, you could just look there. So, <laughs> um, so these are this is a story in Second Kings uh, chapter seven. What was going on? is that Syria had just besieged Samaria, and in the city of Samaria, there was such a horrible famine. I mean, we can't even conceive of this, that in the chapter before, there were a couple women that were eating their children. Now, I don't think any of us can understand the, the desperateness that people would consider something so horrifying. Uh, but that's what was going on. A donkey's head, which wasn't a delicacy, was set, uh, being sold for 80 shekels of silver, which was a lot of money. That's how starving people were for food, that they would eat something as disgusting sounding as a donkey's head and pay a lot of money for it. That's how severe the famine is. Now, there's a lot of that you don't really have control over. One of the things we don't have control over is the economy, right? And sometimes that really sucks. There's a lot of things. I mean, think about all this. That we don't have control over other people, sadly. No. <laughs> uh, we, or what they do. And sometimes our circumstances and our not-so-good circumstances are caused by what other people do. Um, <clears throat> so this is definitely a bad, bad situation. Um, and so it says... In 2 Kings 7 and verse 3, it says, Now there were four leprous men. Now, this is even worse. Not only is there famine, but leprosy was just, it, it, it was a horrible thing to have. You were ostracized, besides the whole pain and anguish of the disease itself, and, and it, it's painful, it looked 
terrible, you've got pieces of your flesh falling off, is that nobody would talk to you, that you were absolutely isolated from other people, which also really sucks. The guys that had leprosy, guess what? They didn't do anything to bring that on. There was nothing that they did that brought on that leprosy. So here they are, leprosy and a famine. Pretty bad set of circumstances. So then it says, at the entrance of the gate of the city of Samaria, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? So they're sitting there and they're saying, and we'll see how they're reasoning. It says, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. That's one option. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. So here's three options. Are any of these good options? They are all terrible options. The, the, you know, seriously, have you ever felt that way in life where every single thing you could think of that sounds like an option sounds awful? Oftentimes that happens in life, huh? When there's nothing that we had anything to do with. So what can you do? So what they reason with themselves, which is kind of cool, is they say, well, we actually know what's behind us. We know what happens if we stay here. What we don't know, but it's probably bad. I mean, going to the Syrians really didn't look like a rosy picture. There was probably best case they would be enslaved, you know, which is not, you know, they're just hoping, well, well they'll probably kill us, probably, most likely, but maybe if they think that we're, well, you know, useful for something, maybe they'd keep us alive and we could be slaves. So that's what they're looking at. And so I want to take a look because it's interesting because most of the time, the option that we choose is sitting. Because it's a slow death. Because the crisis or, you know, they know that they're going to die by not moving. But let, I want to look at why is that? Why is that that oftentimes when we're in situations where all of our circumstances are terrible, that we just choose to do nothing and hope, one of the things is, have you ever done this? Just hope that the situation will change. I just won't do anything. And, and how many times and how much energy do we spend sometimes thinking about if only? Well, maybe if I sit here, the famine will go away. Maybe if I sit here, somebody will come by and bring me food. If I don't change anything, I just sit here, somehow that doesn't seem as scary because the death wasn't imminent. It wasn't going to be the second. And so I want to look at in situations that causes us to be passive and to not move. And how that oftentimes keeps us from what God has in store for us. Because um, there's a few things that I want to look. And also it's kind of interesting because sometimes we also want to go back to the way that we know things are. It, must, it really sucks going back to those habits, that behavior, those relationships, or whatever it might be. But at least I know what that is. Feels familiar and not so scary. You know, going forward, that option is always going to be uncomfortable. There is not one situation that I can think of that you know what the outcome is going to be. If you think about the choice, which is usually the very difficult one of moving or moving ahead, because you don't ever get to see how it's all going to play out ahead of time. You have no idea. And so that's why people typically will sit instead of going forward and making different decisions. 
<clears throat> Another thing, I want to look at some of the reasons why people... And this is where I say it's own your power because oftentimes people even tell themselves, <clears throat> they look at it, you, there's some little sayings that people have that I think are misunderstood or, you know, God's in control. A lot of times people relate to the God is powerful. He's God. He made all of heaven and earth. But what people don't get, God gave free will. Otherwise, why would so much suck? If God was really doing all this, would it suck so bad? God gave us free will and choice. And people all around us constantly that we have nothing to do with make terrible choices that sometimes affect us negatively. But sometimes people surrender moving forward or moving because they're just like, well, whatever happens, it's what God wants. That's not reality. There are horrible things that happen. Many people, and I get it, like some, God can absolutely bring you from whatever your situation is into victory, into healing. That is possible. God is big enough for that. But he gave us free will, and it takes inviting him into the situation, which we're going to be talking about as well. People say, people have been horribly abused and say it was God's will. I don't believe that. I think God hates when people are abused. Hates it. Why would God like that? If he did, I don't want that God. Seriously, that's a twisted God. But what God can do is take that harm when we bring it to him and cause it to have healing and victory. Don't get that confused that I, you know, I've come from a really abused background. And yes, it helps me in ministry, but does that mean it was awesome that it happened? No. God can make those hurts and the things that have happened to us into something that helps us in other ways. Um, if we relate to God that way, we don't fight for anything. We don't strive for anything. We are just passive. It's like we're little robots. Really? Does, it, does life really feel that way? You know, God's the puppet master with the strings. Have you ever noticed not being in control? You could slap somebody if you want to right now, right? You could. Please don't. You know, but we don't want to, if we relate in that way, then no matter what you do right now, God is somehow behind it and wants it. It's just, it'll, it, help, it causes us to sit there, sit we here until we die. Sometimes it's sort of people relate in, you know, as far as waiting for somebody else to fix it. Hey, it wasn't my fault. I didn't make the problem. They should fix it. Good luck with that. Sometimes people just go, it's not, I didn't cause it. So you want somebody else to fix it. Who caused the problem? That's not going to help either. Or wishing that there was a choice that didn't exist. How much time and energy have you spent thinking about, I wish this was one of the options. That would be great. And you have this picture and just really want it and desire it and go, that would be a great option. It keeps you sitting at the side of the road outside of the gate. So I'm going to see, because part of this is separating out what is our part, what is God's part. Because God's involved. It is also the other extreme of this where there are people that are totally self-reliant. God's not in it. i got to do everything myself. And that's not the will of God either. God can do amazing, powerful things. But part of it is understanding the part that he's supposed to do and the part that we're supposed to do.
and getting clear on that. The whole series is going to be about that because there's specific things that God's empowered you and me with as far as tools to get help and answers and healing. And usually the things we're going to be talking about in this series are things people never think about when they're in, in situations that they don't like. Okay, let's continue on with the choice. It says in verse uh, 5, it says, They rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. So here they're, I mean, this journey was not a short journey. They're on foot. You know, there's no, they weren't taking a, you know, um, what do you call it, a chariot or something. These are lepers. So can you imagine, and part of it, I have to think of this long journey expecting they could arrive there at the Syrians and off with their heads or kill, you know, like, bam, they're dead. I mean, and what if they sat there and thought, I'm going to feel really stupid if I walk all this way and put all this energy in, it's exhausting, and they kill us when they get there. I'm going to feel like I got played. (laughs) Sometimes we don't move because you're just going, what if I do all this and it still doesn't work? Because I'm sure that they had lots of times as they're walking on that road to be thinking about the possible horrors ahead, you know. But they get there. There's nobody there. It's empty. Not only is there nobody there, but it says in verse 6, For the Lord, and here's the Lord's part, had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariot and the noise of the horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, the Syrians, look, the king of Israel has hired us against the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. (laughs) Nothing happened. There's no army. They just heard noise and imagined the worst you got a whole group of people, this whole army of people that left everything. And here are these lepers. There's, there's food. There's, there's gold. There's everything that they could want. They, they were going to die. There's nobody there. What if, what if they had never made the move? They wouldn't get to see what God was doing, what he was preparing in the road ahead. It's as good as it gets. They went from certain death to just fat, fat city. This is as good as it gets, right? I mean, it's just don't, you kind of wish God would lay that out? I mean, just like, yeah, show up and it's all there and there's riches and food and it's delicious. And What's interesting, because next week we're going to focus on own your power, the power of thoughts. There's a lot that affects our life in what we do and how we make our mind behave. And it's not all about positive. I'm not a, I'm not a, if you're positive and it's completely ridiculous, it's not helpful. If you're positive and you're believing a lie, not helpful. But we're going to think about what we do because there's a lot that can change in our lives that the Bible speaks about, about what we do with our minds. Oftentimes we stay in patterns that are really destructive for us. Look at what happened to the Syrians. They lost everything because they heard some noise and got scared and feared the worst. How often in our lives does that happen? We make radical decisions just because we're afraid, and it's not even real. So next week, you want to come back next week for that, right? 
We won't have Maggiano's next week, but you can come back. It'll be worth it. Um, <laughs> so it says in verse 7, I mean, sorry, no, no. Verse 8, it says, when these leopards came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, ate and drank. <laughs> uh, party time. And carried it, carried from it silver and gold and clothing. I mean, really. And went and hid them and then came back and went into another tent, got that and hid it. So it's kind of interesting. What, it's cool because what happens after this is that they, they start like, loading up on all these goodies and everything, and they say, you know what, it's not right that we're just selfish and keep this all. We should go back to Samaria and tell everybody and share the blessing, which is a really cool thing because when God works and blesses you, part of it is he wants us to share it with other people. You know, God's given you things. God's healed you, set you free. It's just like, why wouldn't you want to give his blessings? And so they go off to, to, to share it. Okay. Um, let's go to another thing that holds us back, that story, is fear of failure. You know, that you're afraid to make a choice because of making a mistake, making a wrong decision. It kind of actually fits into the, I'd feel stupid if I moved and it was all for nothing, right? Let's go to Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. Because a big part, and I just want to kind of open with, it's free will and it's choice that are at the foundation of the power that God's given us. God does not control. We are not his puppets. He is not a puppet master in the sky. God's given us free will. You can't love without having free will. You can't love if you're being controlled. Love takes freedom. It takes choice. And all through the Bible you see this. You see there's just so many things where God gives people cho choices, and they make terrible choices. You know, and this is, uh, in Deuteronomy, this is actually a scripture that's speaking about, you know, Moses and the children of Israel. Because God had the promised land, and they were just, like, stubborn and all along the way. And then in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So we want to make a choice. Making no choice is not a good choice. Now, mind you, I'm not saying make hasty choices. Sometimes that people read into that and just don't think and just quit, do something. Maybe the choice would be to research out your options and get more information. That's moving. Moving could be gathering information to find out more, to sit, get some clarity on the decision. But doing nothing won't help when you're faced with these circumstances. Another thing that gets in the way is all-or-nothing thinking. If you think that moving is supposed to look ideal, you know, and you have a picture of, it, uh, I'm going to be great at this. You know, I think about this for sermons because um, <laughs> I have a hard time, you know, I, I have a hard time. Um, with doing this. And uh, this has just been, this has been a big challenge for me, just doing a ministry, starting a church. It's been one of the scariest, most intimidating things I've just ever done. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and I've just sort of like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to teach? What's the next series? God, God, ah, I'm not hearing anything. What is it? So the next thing that I want to talk about 
is in Proverbs. We want to get rid of, and, and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I, I, I think it's supposed to come together easily. You ever had that get in your way? It should, if I'm supposed to do it somehow, it should just happen super easily. And that oftentimes gets in the way of our moving too, where we're just sitting on the side of the road. Well, I must not be supposed to do that because I suck at it. Guess what? You suck at everything that you haven't worked at and trained at. You do. Everything. I don't care what it is. Like, nothing you haven't worked at or trained at, you're just going to suck. So why do you think, why do you think, you know, like it gets in the way of amazing things that God has in store for us if it's not easy and we just go, well, it must not be meant to be. Or I feel stupid struggling. You ever tried doing push-ups after a while? If you haven't, I mean, like, I don't want anybody watching me do that. You know, you know, like, with, <laughs> just like, don't be in the room. My husband cannot be in the room when I, you know, I haven't worked out for a while. And every push-up, I'm, like, shaking like a leaf. You know, it's just like, that's awkward, right? <laughs> you do them for a while, and all of a sudden, it's just like, wow, I'm, like, doing these great. But that's not happening right now, but... Um, but everything in the beginning is awkward and takes time. So the Bible also says to move, it says to be like an ant. Let's look at Proverbs 6. In verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Consider her ways and be wise. So the ant, it says, study the ant and, and, and you'll get wisdom from the ant. So what is the wisdom that we can get from the ant? It says, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So here's how an ant works. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because I'm, <clears throat> I'm a big Henry Cloud, John Townsend fan. Cloud Townsend books are amazing. And um, one of the, the, in one of the books, Henry Cloud talks about when he was doing his doctoral thesis, he says a lot of people don't ever get their PhDs because they get there and they just don't complete that. They do all their schooling and they don't get their PhD because they don't finish that. And he goes, and plus they give you three years, so it, first it seems like this huge amount of time and you don't know where to start or where to begin. And so he came across this verse because he was thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea like where to begin with it. And somehow he focused on this verse and said, oh, I think maybe God has something to teach me about the ants. So he buys a little ant farm and he watches the ants and he just watches that all they're doing is an ant is just like, you, you've watched ants, they just carry like one little piece, one little crumb or like the, in the ant um, farms, they're like one little piece of sand. It doesn't look like anything. And they just like, it seems boring, it's repetitious, it's whatever, it's just one little piece of sand. And then he said, in, in this short period of time where it looked like nothing, they had this really complex system of this whole, you know, all kinds of tunnels and everything else. And all they're doing is taking a piece of sand and it came together for him about how to do his doctoral thesis. And it th I was thinking about that because a lot of times when I'm teaching, it looks like that. I feel like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but just start doing something. You don't necessarily get to see the whole picture or have it all be clear. Sometimes you just have to start with something, you know, to, to think about moving. Okay. So I want to also, because in this series, as we're going to be continuing on, one of the things that disempowers people is that there are all these things that <clears throat> in life, in the seven habits of um, highly effective families, can we have that chart with the circles? 
um, what happens in life is that the big, you see that circle of concern at the top? We're going to look at the top one there. The circle of concern are all the things in our lives that we care about that matter to us. And we have a lot of things that matter to us. But the circle of influence is smaller, which is what we are able to do something about. So the circle of influence is smaller than the circle of concern. That's just how life works. Now here's what happens is if we put a lot of energy and time into the circle of concern where we don't have influence, where we're thinking about it, putting energy, it's an energy suck. All the things that you have no power over and can't do anything about, if you're putting your time, energy, resources, talents, just sitting there thinking about, you know, if only, then what happens is you actually reduce, because you, you're using all your energy, you're reducing what you can do something about. So we really want to be watchful that what we're doing is the stuff we can do something about. It's like the serenity prayer. So what happens is if we just focus on what we can do, our part, and get clear on that, and this whole series is going to be about, there are a lot of solutions and things that people never think of that God's given us that invite God into the process so that our circle of influence gets bigger and our lives change and our situation changes. And all of a sudden, the circumstance, whatever it is that you're in right now, things start moving, shifting, changing. You know, I stayed stuck in my life uh, for many, many years because one of the areas that I was stuck in in my thinking was in romantic relationships. It was one of the most destructive, it was super destructive part of my life. And I think that's why I'm passionate on this topic because I loved God, I was a Christian, you know, and, and there were so many things though that I was, focus, I was focusing a lot on the things that I couldn't do anything about and wishing that my situation were different. And so nothing changed. I stayed stuck for 20 years. You know, I was in, um, you know, just having terrible relationships after terrible relationships. You know, and then there wasn't any movement. So it's a lot of time down the toilet there. But it's possible. God wants healing, deliverance. It doesn't matter what your circumstance. There are so many things that you did nothing to deserve. And that God doesn't like. Some, a lot of bad things that have happened to you that are unfair. There's a lot of unfair. Life isn't fair. That sucks. Why isn't it fair? Because God gave free will. And a lot of people do things to hurt others, to harm others. It's all kinds of things. You know, if you want to hear more about that, the Seekers Retreat is actually a good thing as far as why all the bad things happen and to get some clarity on that. God's not behind it. But God, no matter what it is that your situation is, whatever your circumstance, it is possible for God to bring you out. It is possible for your life to radically change. It's possible for God to transform you into way beyond what your wildest dreams were, just like those lepers. That the camp with the food and the gold was so beyond what they were hoping for. They were hoping, just moving, that they would just stay alive and maybe be slaves. But that's what God is waiting for right now. God has that. For every single person here, God has that. Whatever it is, wherever you're stuck, wherever 
You don't have help or answers. Yay, amen, amen. God wants freedom. God wants deliverance. God wants, it says Jesus came that we would have life to the full. He wants that for you. If your life is missing and not full in some place, he, he wants it to be full for you. That's what's available. That's what's possible. I want to invite you. If there's some things in your life that you'd like changed, to think about making a commitment to do your best to come to every week of this series. Because I really believe that some of the things we're going to be talking about, if you put them into practice, are going to be things that can radically change your life. We're even going to have a home fellowship where you can work on applying them too. If you would like to do that, it's only seven more weeks of the series. And we're not going to chase you down if you don't come. But it kind of helps sometimes. Just go, you know what? I'm going to, do, I'm going to invest in my life. I'm going to put some time in. I want, I want to move. I don't want to sit at the gate. So when Chris comes up here and you're going to, he's going to explain to you the connection card. And um, you can just write, I'm in. You know? It's an investment. It is, but I believe that it's something that's worth it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your goodness and for your love. You are a God of love. You are a God of power. Oh, you're good. Father, I feel grateful to be here. I feel grateful for your presence and for everyone here. I know that you're working things in their lives that you, I just, I also really believe, God, that you've called each and every person here for a reason and for a purpose and that because you have help, because you have answers. God, that you are a big and mighty God and that it's just a matter of us understanding and being clear on the tools and that you have given us, God. That you have given us free will, that you have given us choice. Um, thank you, Lord, for your amazing goodness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.